From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. We're just basically sitting around. I try to drink 10 beers in an hour, get annihilated, curse a lot. Good Lord, Cofield. You have eaten your share of hot dogs in your life. Have you not? I'm an American. I don't want to be muzzled. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield Company on a Tuesday afternoon. Candy in for Cofield, but only for a little while. Steve's on his way to Fresno with the UNLV men's basketball team as the running Rebels get ready to take on Fresno State in what is going to be a fairly crucial matchup for their standings in the Mountain West. That's coming up tomorrow night. Steve will be with us hopefully in about a half hour or so. You got Candy, Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios. Let's get into what's trending. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Kyler Murray is trending, and it's the day after the NFL season truly came to an end. And I hate that we're doing this. I really despise the fact that we're again talking about what happened on someone's social media and then what happened after it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a hater. You want to tell everybody what's going on in your life on Facebook. You want to take a picture of every meal that you eat and post it to your Instagram. Be my guest. Live your life. It does not affect me in the slightest. Kyler Murray scrubbing his Instagram of all things Arizona Cardinals and then getting into a war of words with the franchise. Yeah. That affects me. That affects all of us who care about the NFL because... We're set up for one of the dumber feuds that we've ever seen in league history coming up here between Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals if cooler heads don't prevail sometime soon. Now, if you haven't been paying attention to this, the Kyler Murray-Arizona Cardinals saga began last week. Kyler now only has a couple of things left on his Instagram. Oh, my God, I love reporting on Instagram. I love trying to figure out what it is that someone thinks by what they did with the posts on their social media. I guarantee you have an aunt or an uncle like this who uses Facebook to post, oh, it's been another one of those weeks. Oh, got to smile through the pain. You know who you are. And if you're that person, I am talking to you right now. Don't do that. Because Kyler Murray is your aunt or uncle, scrubbing his social media, taking all references to the Cardinals off, and then not saying anything. Just leaving it hanging out there for all of us to try to interpret until Super Bowl Sunday. That's when Chris Mortensen reported that sources in the Arizona Cardinals realm, we're going to go ahead and assume these are probably sources from around the organization based on what we heard. But sources around the Cardinals had some things to say about Kyler Murray. Quote, self-centered, immature, finger pointer, and feels like a scapegoat for what happened in Arizona this year where that team was the talk of the NFL early on in the year when they were 9-0. and And then everything flamed out. They lose in the first round of the playoffs after backing in, and now we've got Armageddon on our hands in Phoenix. Now, back it out for a second here, because I have spent a lot of time in my life looking at this organization. One of the very first things I did in my media career was covering 
the Arizona Cardinals 20 years ago for USA Today's online site when it was a fledgling little thing. And let me tell you something about this organization. It's kind of a joke. Was back then. Now, I don't know if it is now. We're going to get into that. But back then, this was the kind of organization that everybody got a good laugh about. Well, no one's laughing right now because Kyler Murray responded to the Cardinals with his own statement. Quote, all of this nonsense is not what I'm about. Never has been, never will be. Anyone who has ever stepped between those lines with me knows how hard I go. Love me or hate me, but I'm going to continue to grow and get better. Cards come back. Nothing has changed regarding our opinion and high regard for Kyler Murray. So congratulations, everybody. There's your masterclass in putting out statements that say absolutely nothing. Both sides have made their feelings unclear. Good for you. So now what do we have? We have the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray facing off with each other for no apparent reason. You have a 24-year-old franchise quarterback, a guy who you jettisoned your first-round pick one year after you drafted him and Josh Rosen to bring in. The Cardinals put everything on the future of this franchise on Kyler Murray. And you know what? He's been pretty damn good overall. But if this organization, if they're truly leaking stuff like this to Chris Mortensen, you know what? Maybe they haven't changed. Maybe it's still a complete joke. Maybe even going to a Super Bowl, getting a new stadium, maybe nothing has changed. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this much. Do not forget where this started. Kyler Murray pulled a high school stunt. He scrubbed his social media and left all of us to try to figure out what it was. You know who does that? Recruits who are 16 years old. That's who does that. They do that to try to get attention. And Kyler Murray clearly was trying to get attention. That kind of thing does not happen without someone saying, I want people to look and notice. And guess what? Everybody noticed. And then Kyler didn't say anything for days. And then the organization filled the void. So if you're Kyler Murray, you want that $40 million a year contract extension? You want the commercials like you had this year? Go get the bag. I'm all about it. I am for you. Grab that bag, but realize when you get that bag in your hand, all the credit, all the blame, they're all yours. They are all yours 100%. You feel like a scapegoat? What exactly did you think comes with being a franchise quarterback in the NFL? You get all the credit. They don't put the starting center in commercials with VR headsets on fire and footballs around the locker room. That's you. And you got it because of how you performed on the field. When this team was 9-0, and nobody was talking about, is Kyler Murray happy? Is the organization happy? But you know what happened? Both sides kind of forgot how we got here. Because the reason that the Arizona Cardinals are in the spot they are right now, flaming out in the first round, I don't know if Kyler Murray forgot. I don't know if Steve Keim in the front office at Cliff Kingsbury forgot. But DeAndre Hopkins got hurt. You lost the best receiver in the NFL. And this offense fell apart and if none of that happens we're not having any of this ridiculous conversation where we get into a fight over seemingly nothing they were 10 and 2 the cardinals were when deandre hopkins went down in their final five games without him they averaged 18.8 points in their games with him 30.2 points their red zone touchdown rate where deandre hopkins is so good 65.9 percent without him 35.7%. Kyler Murray's completion percentage dropped a full eight points without DeAndre Hopkins 
in that lineup. Get it together, Kyler. Get it together, Cardinals. And don't screw up a thing that was on its way to being one of the best situations in the NFL when you were 9-0, and when you were 10-2. and You still have a franchise receiver. You have a franchise quarterback. Do you understand both sides how much people would kill around the NFL to have your situation? Don't screw up a good thing. Figure it out. And you know where else there was a good thing not that long ago that we have reason to talk about once again? That, oh my God, uh, wait a second. It all got ugly between the Golden Knights and Marc-Andre Fleur. Did, did I just read today from one of the big Canadian hockey reporters that Marc-Andre Fleury might be coming back to the Golden Knights? Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Calgary and on the left here is Backlund. Drops it in front. Mangiapane scores! Backhand inside the right post. Six goals for Calgary. Power play goal for Mangiapane. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, Ari, let's go on a living spree. Let's go on a living spree. It is the good life here on Cofield and Company on a Tuesday afternoon. Adam Candy, Ari in the Finley Toyota Studios. Steve Cofield joins us in just a few minutes from Fresno, where he is with the UNLV basketball team. Going to be joined here, hopefully in just a little bit, by Darren Millard from the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, there's plenty to talk about with VGK, and I thought it was just going to be about the impending return of Jack Eichel from his surgery, but then Frank Saravalli, one of the bigger Canadian names in hockey reporting in the Daily Faceoff, dropped some news today. Frank Saravalli reporting that with Robin Leonard dealing with an upper body injury, Golden Knights have recalled Logan Thompson, as they figure out what they're going to do here in the near term. First game in a week coming up tomorrow night against the Colorado Avalanche when Eichel is set to debut. But with the goaltending situation in flux, Frank Saravalli reporting that the Golden Knights have interest in reuniting. Oh my God, don't say it, Adam. Don't say don't don't you get my hopes up. Don't you tell me he's coming back. The Golden Knights have interest in bringing back to Las Vegas. Don't you do it. I can't handle this. I can't handle you building me up and then knocking me to Mark andre Fleury. The Golden Knights, according to Frank Saravalli, have interest in bringing back Mark andre Fleury. Let it sit. Let it build. And now let me knock it down. Because Kelly McCrimmon, the GM of the Golden Knights, spoke earlier today and he threw an entire bucket of cold water Onto the rumor, according to David Shane from the Review Journal, quote, there is absolutely no credence to that rumor at all. I normally wouldn't speak on such things, but there will be so much racket about this. It's important to let people know that's not going to happen. So who do we believe? Do we believe the word of the guy who traded Marc-Andre Fleury? The guy who was behind the emotional crippling of this fan base over the summer? Do we believe the hockey reporter who said that the Golden Knights, as I suggested 
just two weeks ago on the press box when we were talking about Robin Leonard having some struggles, I suggested that Marc-Andre Fleury, if he was a trade candidate, might be someone to think about bringing back here in Vegas when Robin Leonard was down in the bottom 10 in the NHL in goals saved above average, in high danger save percentage, and now he's hurt. We don't know how hurt. It's hockey. No one ever knows how hurt. He might have a hangnail. He might have lost his right arm. We have no idea. It's an upper body injury. We, we just go ahead with whatever the Golden Knights tell us. But if Robin Leonard is hurt, and that's the goaltender you committed to, then if you're the Golden Knights, what do you do? Trade deadline is only a month away. You know you don't have any cap space. You're already playing this gymnastics game with bringing Jack Eichel back, putting Mark Stone, oh God, the captain, on long-term injured reserve. You're basically trading one salary for the other. And when Alec Martinez eventually comes back, you're going to have to figure out where his salary fits in as well. So the Golden Knights are playing a very, very tricky game here of trying to fit salaries in under the cap. So would Robin Leonard's salary have to go out? Possibly. Not likely, but possibly. How else are the Golden Knights going to find the room? Is it going to be Riley Smith at the end of his contract? Is it going to be a more key piece like William Carlson or Jonathan Marcheseau? Who's, who's going to go to make this fit? Or are the Golden Knights going to get all the way to the playoffs like Tampa Bay did last year and figure out a way to bring back their star in time for the playoffs? Because what we know at this point is we're not going to see this Golden Knights team at full strength until we get to the playoffs. That's the admission that the Golden Knights make by putting Mark Stone and his nine-plus million dollars a year on long-term injured reserve. If you haven't been paying attention, if you've been in a Super Bowl fog, if you are full of seven-layer dip, then you might not know that Mark Stone is on long-term injured reserve. We know he's been in and out of the lineup all year long. It's a back issue for Mark Stone. He's been going to specialists and trying to see if they can diagnose exactly what's going on. They don't know. That's how Jack Eichel's going to get into the lineup. Jack Eichel is the kind of player who can change everything for the Golden Knights. And I don't say that lightly. He is the individual talent this team has been looking for. This has always been a team effort for the Vegas Golden Knights. It has always been a team that has been able to make the pieces look better than the individuals when put together. Jack Eichel's not that guy. Jack Eichel is a bona fide superstar. He is the guy who takes the puck 200 feet from one end of the ice to the other, puts it in the net, ends up on all of the social media celebrations, ends up everywhere on the highlights. That's who Jack Eichel is. You get him back, maybe that revolutionizes what's going on with this team. They're kind of floating around near the top of the division. That highlight that you just heard from the Calgary game Obviously, not the uh, the way the Golden Knights wanted to go into this week-long break on a 6-0 loss to Calgary. I uh, believe we've got Darren on the line now. Darren Millard, Vegas Golden Knights uh, pre-post-game intermission host, host of the Chirp podcast. Darren, I've been, um, I've been getting into all of the hot rumors of the day here with our ESPN Las Vegas audience. Uh, Frank Saravalli saying there's interest from the VGK side in a Marc-Andre Fleury reunion. Kelly McCrimmon throwing a whole bunch of cold water on that um, D 
Do you think there's any chance Marc-Andre Fleury is coming back to the Golden Knights? No. No. I, I, well, first of all, we don't know uh, exactly where where things are with, with Robin Leonard. So they, let's, let's back it up big time. Uh, I know he hasn't practiced the last couple of days. That's uh, and uh, and uh, Pete DeBoer, uh, his words and comments today uh, regarding uh, getting some tests done. But I, I don't know right now why uh, there's the need to to bring in uh, Mark Andre Fleury. So uh, that's first and foremost. Uh, then you get to okay if if they do need to go for a goaltender. Um, Mark Andre Fleury's salary right now is is a big inhibitor of of being able to to bring him in. So uh, and they've already uh, ripped off the bandaid, cut the cord, whatever language you want to use. Uh, why put yourself uh, back in that situation uh, again? So uh, I, I think that there's uh, there's a lot of different layers to the story, but I don't think that uh, that Mark Andre Fleury returns. You obviously know the internals of the Golden Knights way better than I do, Darren. Uh, why do you think Kelly McCrimmon felt the need to say it so clearly, so forcefully about this rumor today about Mark Andre Fleury? Well, I, I think it's just uh, uh, to to stop things getting out of control and 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 getting away from 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 the the masses. Uh, uh, we, we all know how much, uh, Adam, they love Marc-Andre Fleury here. Uh, we just witnessed it uh, again with, with his return. And anything close to being uh, a, a reunitement uh, between Marc-Andre Fleury and, and, and the Golden Knights will just uh, will, will take on a, a multiple lives of its, of its own, not just the life of its own, uh, lives of its own. So I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's one of those ones where you have to be very proactive or else it's going to dominate everything and dominate uh, what's more nice is going to be a pretty special occasion uh, in, in the uh, in the big picture of this franchise. So uh, I, I think it was uh, it was a, a smart decision, uh, given that uh, that there obviously is, is no truth to the rumor because uh, uh, Kelly McCrimmon uh, came out and emphatically denied it. Uh, was just a, a situation where he wanted to to put out any possible ember of uh, of the rumor mill. Darren Ballard joining us here on Cofield and Company, and you reference what's coming tomorrow night. And let's take the the great part about it, and then I'll ask you a little bit about the concerning part about the corresponding move that goes along with Jack Eichel getting his first action in so very long, three months after his surgery. Um, I was saying earlier that this Golden Knights team has always been a team where the sum of the parts might have looked better than the individuals, especially at the beginning. And Jack Eichel's not that guy. J- Jack Eichel is an individual superstar of a level that I'm not sure the Golden Knights have seen. Kind of, Can you get everybody ready for what Jack Eichel at his peak, maybe not tomorrow night, but once he gets back to game shape, brings to the Golden Knights? Oh, Jack Eichel is the best skater the Golden Knights have ever had. That, that's as succinctly and simply and accurately as I can say it. Uh, Jack Eichel, between his hands and his feet and his body and his uh, mind and his uh, game sense, uh, is by far the best individual skater the the Golden Knights have have, have ever had. He is a top 10 uh, skater in the game. Not a top 10 defenseman, not a top 10 winger, uh, not a top 10 goaltender. He's the the best player uh, that that they've had uh, and, and, and 
at this point uh, of their franchise. So uh, I'm excited because, uh, one, I think the hockey world has forgotten a little bit about how good he is because he hasn't played in almost a year. Uh, I think the hockey world has yet to see the best in Jack Eichel because of where he's played and, and his surrounding cast and his level of, uh, of team success. He's never played in the Stanley Cup playoffs, so he's never been uh, exposed uh, to a wider audience. And, uh, and I think uh, certainly Golden Knights uh, fans uh, have, have been uh, exposed to what he's able to do because he hasn't played uh, a game uh, for this franchise. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see people go, wow, I didn't know he was that good uh, when, he, when he finds his form. And it may be tomorrow night uh, because he's had such a long runway to get ready. I think it'll take some time speed-wise to really feel comfortable, and that's even if he, if he does something crazy in the, and, and uh, dramatic in the, in the first uh, little bit. But uh, I, I think that'll be a popular refrain, Adam, is people will go, we didn't know he was that good. He's a, he's a legitimate game-breaker on his own whether it's rushing the puck, dishing the puck, or shooting the puck. He is your legitimate game-breaker, not what this team has been traditionally built around as, as a, a, a deep team, a team that has good lines and, and players that can go out and work together great. He can do things uh, on an individual basis that we've never witnessed in this city before. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Darren. I mean, there are obviously... 200 foot players like Mark Stone who play the whole yeah. 200 feet. Yeah. There hasn't been uh, yeah. a guy who takes the puck 200 feet. Uh, and, and that's what Jack Eichel is going to be able to do for this team. But of course, the other side of it is that you do have Mark Stone going on long term injured reserve as they try to figure out exactly what uh, what the back issue is. What level of concern do you think Golden Knights fans should have about Mark Stone for this team for this year? I'd be lying if I said there shouldn't be any concern. Uh, I'm sure Mark's concerned and uh, the organization's concerned, and, and I don't like uh, not being able to watch him play, so I'm, I'm concerned. Uh, he's, he's a point-per-game player when he plays, and he's an impact player uh, on the dressing room when he plays. And uh, the fact that he's been in and out of the lineup on, on multiple occasions this year, that's a concern. That The organization and Kelly McCrimmon uh, say that they, they had him in a, in a uh, precautionary mode where he wasn't going to play back-to-backs for a while. That's a concern. So uh, it, he's not the first player to go through uh, a back injury. Uh, he's not the first player to have to uh, go through multiple specialists to find a solution. But given where he is, uh, yeah, there's a level of concern. Now, when he came back from that month-long absence, he was he was on fire. Like, he was a different player. We, we saw the Mark Stone that we've seen in the past. And then there was a, a wearing down of, uh, of his impact. Uh, if, if it's rest, if it's treatment, if it's whatever the, the, the solution is, uh, when we see him again, I expect, because it will be either uh, 28 days or, or, the, or the 10 games, uh, I expect that we'll see a, a very impactful Mark Stone. I just hope that, that whatever it is, that they can find a longer-term solution that you're able to go through uh, the rest of the regular season and or two months of, of the Stanley Cup playoffs on, on a best-case scenario. That's, that's where the, the concern is. I, I think he plays again this year. It's just how long can he remain healthy and where are they in a level of being able to find the solution to the, to the uh, issues that are causing him the discomfort. Darren, before we let you go, because we're running short on time here. That's uh, my fault. I don't. No, no, no. I no. I want to make sure we get this in, though. And maybe this is related to the fact that uh, that we're catching you a little bit on the late side here. I'm not going to blame it entirely uh, on you or blame it entirely on me. But 
um, your art skills were something that I didn't really know much about and saw, yeah. until I saw them recently on display on on your Twitter. Uh, for those who don't know, we discussed this on the morning show, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it here. Uh, you were referred to, quote, by your friend Pete uh, as having the body of a bag of milk. And and I thought you did a, yeah. just a fantastic job of illustrating what that looks like on your Twitter. Thank you. I, I put together a little bit of a sketch with a bag of milk as, as my body and, and drew a goaltender, which I think uh, reflected me in uh, as a self-portrait uh, rather accurately. Look, I, I think there's benefit to, to having a, uh, a dad bod. And, uh, and in the, the world of, of goaltending, it allows you to absorb more pucks. So uh, I, don't, I don't take offense to that, but I will say this, Adam. I have referred to others as bags of milk in the past, and it was not meant as a compliment to their uh, status as the way they carry themselves physically. So uh, I understand where, where Pete was coming from, and I have vowed to make adjustments in my diet uh, to, to make myself a little bit more uh, presentable in a, uh, in a healthier uh, standpoint. But... But the artwork, uh, I look at it every now and then, and I go, I can't be that guy. And I thank my buddy Pete for uh, drawing attention to it. Sometimes uh, you need tough love, and uh, and Pete provided that for me. I can't wait until you are a jar of milk. Solid. Solid <laughs> top jar, to bottom. A, a jar of milk ready for the future. <laughs> Darren, we appreciate it as always, sir. And I'm going to draw I'm going to draw ribs on it uh, on a bag of milk <laughs> next time. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. We appreciate your time, Darren. We will uh, we'll talk to you man. soon, man. Sorry about the tardiness. All good. All good. Hey, we even got a Canadian sorry in there. Good stuff here on Cofield and Company. More coming when we come back. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. John believes in the town of Oakland. He believed in the Coliseum. Most of all, he believed in the Raiders. I believe in the Raiders. The Oakland Raiders. Oakland needs a football team. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea. How dare you, Ari? How dare you refer to Virginia Madden? As a pirate? That's rude. That's just straight up rude. Cofield and Company, Tuesday afternoon there. You hear from the widow of John Madden, Virginia Madden. Don't get mad, Vegas. Don't get mad about her saying Oakland needs a football team because John Madden, Madden family are part of the Oakland Raiders fabric now and forever. That sound, of course, coming from the memorial service held yesterday at the Coliseum day after the NFL football season ends for John Madden. I... As much as we've talked about John Madden passing on the show, I, I don't know that we've captured just what John Madden meant to the NFL culturally, be, above and beyond the game, above and beyond being a Super Bowl winning coach, being the identity of that Raiders franchise for so many years. John Madden transcended football. He was that guy where when you watch the late night shows like a Letterman, like a Carson, you always notice that when someone from sports comes on, they don't really get the same ovation as a movie star, right? They don't get the same ovation as a big musician. John Madden was the guy who crossed over from that. He had the personality 
to do it. And you know what? He was the kind of guy who made people believe when he talked. When John Madden says the janitor at the Pro Football Hall of Fame turns off the lights at night and the bus talk to each other, it's true because John said it. And when he says that the turkey on Thanksgiving has six or eight legs, it's true because John said it. And when those Gatorade buckets over there hanging out all year, they had a baby, a baby bucket. You believe it because John said it. These are examples of things that John Madden uh, jokingly talked about on the air. The Gatorade bucket bit is still one of my absolute favorites. Madden and Summerall were the soundtrack of my childhood listening to uh, listening to the NFL, watching on CBS. And you know, Madden had influence on all of us culturally, but we also sometimes lose how much influence he had over people still in the game today, still influencing the game today. Chiefs coach Andy Reid attended the ceremony as well. Coach taught me to appreciate every day, every game, every play of every game. He taught me not to back off what I knew would be the best for the National Football League. Taught me that coaches weren't the hamburger flippers in the National Football League. That we had a voice and if properly presented, people would listen. I got to work hand in hand with a great coach, John Madden, and it was an honor. And you know why I love that quote so much and I'm so glad we pulled it because not only do we get to recognize what John Madden meant to the NFL, not only do we get to talk about who he was as a coach, the fact that he won a Super Bowl, the fact that he influenced another generation of coaches, but you know what else we got out of that quote? We got the kind of moment of levity that John Madden would have liked. And you know why? Andy Reid found a way to work in hamburgers. Good job, Andy. Stay true. Be yourself the same way John would have been. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. To be able to, you know, in five years, be able to bring a, a championship home to the city. It's, it's a, a great thing about the city. It's what the city demands. You know, to be able to bring that home. The first year opening up SoFi with fans, uh, being able to win it at home in SoFi. So I don't know if you could have written any better. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Cooper Cup on the way back. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Rams went for it. They got it. Arash is our uh, L.A. guy. He's Mr. Vegas as well. Might have to talk some sandwiches during the spot, but Arash is in. We wanted to get the vibe from L.A. today, yesterday, and uh, what happened last week. What's up, Arash? Not much. We got a uh, parade finally in Los Angeles tomorrow. I think everyone's excited about that. I feel like Le- LeBron James wants to crash the parade. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's the thing. It's not just LeBron. I mean, you had Justin Turner, Mookie Betts. Uh, I think the Dodgers and Lakers both felt that they were deprived of a, a parade. And listen, you can't throw one now for that reason. But like, could you possibly get a handful of Lakers and a handful of Dodgers and kind of uh, do a... Uh, Co-parade? Yeah. Listen, I mean, that that one 
shouldn't be a heavy lift. And here's the thing. So many Rams fans have pushed back on it. And I'm like, if I'm the Rams, I would do anything to get some uh, some love from like the Dodgers and yeah. the Lakers. I mean, if the Rams can align themselves with those two franchises, that, that would be huge. Raise your profile, man. We, we know the Rams are fighting an uphill battle right now. They're exactly. behind the Dodgers. They're uh, behind the Lakers. They might be behind a powerhouse in USC. The Super Bowl is going to go a long way, I think, in changing that. But before we get to all that, uh, what was it like at the stadium? What was the vibe? Did it feel that much different than a regular season game at the Rams or Chargers? It did, you know, uh, you know, just because it's the Super Bowl, so there's a lot of the signage, and obviously the halftime show was tremendous. And, and so there was – it was a different feel for sure. I mean, the most unique thing, I mean, just from a security standpoint, is that – when you walk onto the premises at SoFi, you know, they got security, you got to scan in your credential. But once you're inside the premises of SoFi, you're good to go. And so that was a little unique because, you know, normally, you know, I would park my car on site, go to the press entrance. I mean, they really circle the entire um, lot. So that was kind of interesting. But, I, you know, it did have a a vibe of a Rams crowd. And when, when I say that, it, you know, the San Francisco game has been well-documented, like the majority of San Francisco fans there. So I, I don't think it was weird for the Rams to be playing at SoFi for it to be like a 50-50 crowd or a 60-40 crowd. I mean, they are used to that. Arash, where did people party before the game? Like, were there certain areas, uh, you know, in and around L.A. that had swelled a little more heavily than others? Well, so during the week, I mean, the parties were spread out. You had some in downtown. You had some in Hollywood. Uh, on game day, I mean, there was a lot of tents in uh, parties. Again, this was like pre-ticketed parties. Um, Hollywood Park Casino did a pretty good job, I thought. I mean, if you want to be as close to SoFi as you could without a ticket, that was a pretty good spot. But, um, you know... Los Angeles is great, but it is spread out. And that's the one kind of thing that I'm looking forward to with the Super Bowl coming to Las Vegas. What's that going to be like just along the strip? So, so uh, yeah, again, Hollywood, downtown, South Bay, the parties were spread out. What are some things that we're talking to Arash Markazi, of course, uh, L.A. expert, is doing radio with the Mighty 1090. The next time L.A. gets the Super Bowl, there are a couple things you thought of where you're like, you know, we could do this better. They need this. Well, so uh, there's rumors, or at least I took talked to a couple people that think it could be back here by 2027. So this would be the end of the, the 26 season. Um, so listen, SoFi is going to look a lot different by then. I mean, it's still kind of under construction. I mean, that that site is uh, you know, it probably worked out for the league because they like to do their own thing in terms of tents and things like that. But, you know, by, but by the next time the Super Bowl comes to SoFi, I think you'll, you'll have more things around, the, around SoFi. The Clippers' new arena will be up and going by that point. The, the, the hotel, mixed use, there, the, the, there will be a lot more happening on the grounds of SoFi. So you mentioned we got the parade coming up. Um, have they changed the Hollywood sign into Rams house yet? I heard they were doing they that. They have, that yeah. So nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, so that's up. I, I don't know how long that's going to be for, but you know, it, it, it's always fun when the team in Los Angeles wins. I think everyone does a pretty good job of of, of uh, you know hopping on the bandwagon. So I, I, that's good for the Rams. The parade route is especially short. I mean, I, I'm glad they're at least going down 
Figueroa, but in years gone by, you would have the Lakers, for example, you know, boarded the bus at Staples Center, made the drive down to the Coliseum. The uh, Rams will board the bus at the Shrine. And if you're not familiar with the uh, with downtown Los Angeles, the the shrine to the Coliseum is about like a half a mile. Now, I do think they're going to kind of take the long way, but it, it's still a pretty short commute. Rosh is with us as we're talking about uh, the uh, week before and the the aftermath and the feel right now in Los Angeles after the Rams win it all. Were you able to get to uh, to sneak into Disneyland and track the guys, uh, the the three headed monster who said they were going to Disneyland? I heard they were. Uh, We'll open it up a little bit. That, by the way, Disneyland over Disney World in terms of lots of opportunities to drink. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Well, you got to go to you got to go to California Adventure, I think, yes. to get the uh, drinks. No, I mean, listen by by the time Monday rolled around, like I like I was totally good. You know, I I, I covered the <laughs> press done. conferences. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no need to track these guys at Disneyland. Uh, <laughs> I will say the media party at Universal. Los Angeles as a host, I was very proud of Los Angeles. I think, again, we have not had the game here in 30 years. Uh, we are, once again, going to be part of this, like, every five years, perhaps, rotation. Los Angeles did a great job. You can't control the weather, but the weather gods were very nice to Los Angeles. Perfect weather, perfect Super Bowl week. Uh, after the game and the immediate aftermath, you know, Stan Kroenke's up there talking about his team – how much credit do we have to give Kroenke for this whole thing? It felt kind of weird. Well, you got to give him credit for building SoFi Stadium. And again, okay. the Rams don't come back to Los Angeles, obviously, until he got that lot of land. That was a that was a lot of land, three hundred acres right next to the Forum. The National Football League loved that. Like, like, like that was always where their dream future home of a team would be. You know, there was talk for years about Farmer's Field next to Staples Center. There was Carson. League loved uh, the um, the um, Hollywood Park site. Uh, and so when Kroenke bought that and he privately financed the stadium, if nothing else, you have to give him credit for that. Well, we're going to talk to some people later in the week who are uh, Denver media and the feeling or with Stan Kroenke in Denver ain't exactly the same. It doesn't seem to go for broke with – his other teams. I saw the the ratings. Um, L.A. was actually outside of the top ten in terms of uh, Super Bowl views in that city. So how do we read? Because I saw you tweet out that what like two million households tuned in. Yeah, so how do we so read the response? The okay, so I want to get your thoughts on this because yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. there's 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 people who can't. Um, who don't know what that means. So, like, if, if, <laughs> if they see – if I mean, the number one red flag is, like, do you really think more people in Jacksonville watch the Super Bowl than in Los Angeles? It is 75 degrees and sunny on a picturesque Sunday. Um, I have to break the news to people out there. Obviously, if you're tuning in, you're a sports fan. Half the population in Los Angeles could not care less about a football game. So, I mean, the, the fact that there were over 2 million people, no market – no market had more people watching the Super Bowl than Los Angeles. Now, if you do it by percentage, no, we did not have half the population of Los Angeles watching the game. But I think well, it was like it was like 37 households or 30 percent of the households. Right. When you're talking about Los Angeles, that's a pretty high number. So, again, over two. So my headline would be over two million people in Los Angeles watch the game more than any other market. Or you could say, well, 
more of the percentage of population of Cincinnati watch the game rather than Los right. Angeles. I mean, it, it's I, I like I get it. There's a lot of reasons you can crap on Los Angeles. The TV number I don't think is one of them. All right, so what does this do for the Rams in, in the packing order? I mean, it, this is absolute crystal ball. We, I mean, we really have no idea. It's mostly, you know, buzz that you see, and we're going to find out here over the course of the next couple of years. How much does this improve the Rams standing in L.A. in terms of eventually getting to a point where you're going to have, like, 70-30 at the home games or Rams fans? No, it's huge. I think this puts them in a position, and again, like you said, we don't know for sure, to be that number three team. Again, it's the National Football League. So they're like 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 they're they're past the Clippers and the Kings and things like that. The Lakers and Dodgers are one and one A. You can't top them. They've they've had sustained success here since 1958 and 1960. So that that won't change. The Rams and why I think that they should kind of reach out to the Dodgers and the Lakers to invite at least a handful of players and those trophies on the float. Align yourself with that group. It's SoFi Stadium. The celebrities coming to the games is next level. And they won a championship. I think for years and years and years, it was like, it's a Raiders town. Why? Well, they won the city's only Super Bowl. So I, at the very least, you could you could do away with that. You, you could say the Rams are not only Super Bowl champions, but they are a winning franchise. This is their second trip to the Super Bowl in three years. They've, they've been a winning team. They got a big question mark coming up. Does Sean McVay come back? Does Aaron Donald come back? I mean, like I don't think you could just win it and then, um, you know, not make the playoffs the next year. I mean, you have to kind of continue. It's not that they have to win every year, but you got to be competitive every year. Rosh, let's close on this. You you throw in a mention about the halftime show. What did you like most about the halftime show? I just like that it was uh, so Los Angeles, and I think you know the league took a big hit when they had Maroon Five perform in. Atlanta. You're in Atlanta, for goodness sake. So I loved that on a day where the Rams took a big, big step in Los Angeles, they got that rub with Snoop wearing the colors and Dre, and it was a very Los Angeles-centric halftime show on a big, big day in Los Angeles sports history. Let me give you some uh, some grades, some critiques of some of the artists uh, from a music expert that I know. Uh, Dre seemed a little tired, as did 50, and whoever cleared uh, Mary to do no more drama should be fired. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, my bar for halftime shows is pretty low. I think I was just hyped to be there and to watch it, and then I watched it on TV as soon as I came home. I liked it. I thought, thought it was fantastic. Yeah, that was Ari saying that uh, the uh, legendary artist looked tired. I see. Well, you know, listen, we can't all be amazing and on clean feet. I totally understand <laughs> That's right. There was, there was a lot Ari, of other would you, Ari, would you would you like to defend yourself that uh, fifty year olds look tired? No, oh, man. I, there's a lot you of other just... stuff I put in that paragraph, but you uh, just glazed over it. So I, that was literally my only critique. Everything else was awesome. Uh, Kendrick is amazing. The performance was yeah. amazing. I thought it was really good. I just yeah, that's all. I think you know, gotta come a little harder. Take five hour energy or something. There you go. He wanted more energy. That's all. It <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Arash, what do you got coming up on the radio show? Uh, big week. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be live covering the parade uh, tomorrow and uh, have to figure out, listen, we need the Dodgers to come back. We need this lockout to be over. The Lakers and Clippers are terrible. I am not going to Cleveland for the All-Star game, by the way. So we need the Dodgers to come back. 
Yes, good luck with that one. We have actually banned baseball from our show, so uh, I know. I maybe uh, maybe a couple spots down the road we can actually talk baseball. Arash, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, see ya. There he is, Arash Markazi, man around L.A., Mr. Vegas, kind of self-dubbed, but also uh, rubbed salt in the wound of Adam Hill, who was not Mr. Vegas. All right, coming up, we'll get to the football frenzy. We do want to get uh, more of those numbers out there about the handle that's coming in all around the country. Nevada had an unbelievable day. I think we're still waiting on New York. We got New Jersey numbers in as well. It's Cofield and Company, Adam Candy, Steve Cofield. I'm on the road in lovely Fresno. Four o'clock hour football frenzy is coming up.